0: On a summer day in June of 2006, Teddy got the call. Teddy got the call that, he had been, that he'd been waiting on. Teddy got the call that he had worked all of his life, or at least the last several years, preparing the call, the call. He, uh, he got the call from... WWE. See Teddy, as we know him, Ted DiBiase, as the wrestling world knows him. He uh, he got the call to sign on with WWE. Now, if you're a baseball fan, this would be the equivalent of making it to the show, to the major leagues, going big time. If you're a musician, you might call that pimping. I don't know how you want to. That's how we. That's how we would have referred to it. Teddy was. He was. Uh, he was stepping up to his A-game. He was asked to become a WWE superstar. Now, uh, I've heard Teddy give his, talk, tell this story many times, and I feel like I can tell you that he grew up in a Christian home, and all he wanted to do was to go all over and have God send him to the de- deepest and darkest corners of the earth so that he could deliver God's Word to those that didn't know it. Somewhere in that WWE world, Teddy got caught up in the superstar life. And God, the God he was going to go off and serve in the deepest and darkest places, that God got put on the sideline. That God got put in the back seat. Now, I I can't, uh, I'm not here to judge, but I can tell you this. Teddy was a superstar, Teddy is a superstar, and Teddy's made his own movie, he stepped out on the stage in front of 75,000 people, I mean look, he's even got his own action figure, <laughs> you can go buy his action figure, that tripped me out so hard when I, when I first heard that, I was like, wait a minute dude, you got your own action figure, so crazy. I myself have been down to the Coliseum and I've heard thousands and thousands of people scream, Teddy, 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 Teddy. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that to 75,000 people? Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. He was a superstar. And you know, there. Um, teddy says this, that in all the craziness, in all the celebration that was going on, that Teddy, and he was this. And this is, was so hard for me to, to even comprehend when he first said it. But he was miserable. He was miserable. He'd worked so hard, he was miserable. See, the God that Teddy grew up knowing, he was disconnected from. Disconnected from God. But then something happened. Then something happened. Teddy came to God and he repented and he asked for forgiveness and he said, God, I'm in. God, I'm I'm in 100%. I'm all in. Forgive me. I'm in 100%. And from that moment forward, his life has not been the same. Now his life didn't change, right? The world around him didn't change. But his heart changed. And if you could see what he's doing today, I know a lot of you know what he's doing. He's doing the, uh, he started the Ted DiBiase Foundation.org. Got <laughs> to throw that plug in there, brother. But, um, and man, just to, to watch what happens is miraculous. You should see these kids when they come in front of him. You should see the other day at a public school when Teddy was telling kids about Jesus. Life change. All in, 100%. Let me tell you another story. Kelly was 16 years old, and she grew up in this house where she heard about Jesus, and she knew you know, kind of what Jesus was, but Jesus was not her Savior. She didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior of all. She didn't, she didn't feel worthy. Kelly felt dirty. Kelly had partied so hard. Kelly had been with so many, so many guys. She felt filthy. She felt burdened. She felt shame. But you know, Kelly looked at me and she said this. She said, Chris, how could Jesus ever want anything to do with me? Jesus is for the good people. Right? 16 years old, and to Kelly, life had no meaning. And then something happened. As I looked into Kelly's eyes, I, I told her about the real Jesus. The real Jesus. Not the Jesus that she thought she knew, but the Jesus that loved her more than she could ever imagine. Regardless of what she had done, regardless of the emptiness and the grossness to use her words that she felt i told her about how jesus the real jesus the last thing he did before he gave his life up life up on that cross was to forgive a sinner he forgave somebody the last thing he did was that i told her about how jesus changed my life and i was doing a lot of the same stuff she was doing and you know that when I told her that, something happened? It was as if somebody took a light switch and flipped it on. A smile came over Kelly's face that in the, that night was so dark, but that smile lit the whole night up. The glow that Kelly had could have filled the, it did, it filled the air. She was cleansed. See, Kelly, at that moment, she felt clean. Her guilt, her shame, her burdens, her sorrow, her grossness was gone like that. She saw herself now as beautiful in God's eyes. She saw herself now as perfect in God's eyes. She saw herself now as a child of God. She was a new creation. Kelly had accepted Jesus as her Savior. Kelly... She was in a hundred percent she sold out she drank the kool-aid you know i praise god for that I, I, i think about that a lot and i praise god for that night i praise god for that moment i praise god for who he is that's a night i'll never forget ever would you bow with me lord god as we come before you god that's my that's my prayer I just pray, God, that you fill this room with your Holy Spirit. Fill this room in a way, God, that we can't deny you. God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that you open their hearts and their minds up to just hear what it is that you have to say. God, if there's those here that do know you but may have turned from you a little bit, I pray that you'll open their hearts. God, I just pray that you fill this room and just let us glorify you. Lord, whether it's through something that I say or something stupid that I say, just use me to deliver your word. Less of me, more of you, In Christ's name, amen. All right, so this is what today I'm going to talk about, um, I'm talk about David, I mean, I was, I'm a worship leader, y'all know I love David, I give a shout out to David just about every single time that I, I, I get up there and lead worship, but um and 2 Samuel five, or 2 Samuel 6, verse 5 says this, David and the whole house of Israel were, were celebrating, get this, with all their might before the Lord with songs, harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. Now, here, here's what's going on. David had gone off and had gotten the Ark of the Covenant, right? He'd gotten the Ark, and he was bringing it back to Jerusalem. Bringing it back to Jerusalem. Let's read that one more time. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs, harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrum cymbals. And verse 14 says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. Now listen, with all his might, with all his might, celebrate and celebrate. What's going on right there? What's going on? Man, it's a party. It's a party. I love a throwdown. You know, that didn't work too good for me for the first many years of my life, but I still love a good throwdown just in the, you know, the Jesus way. But, um, you know, why, why, why was that going on? Like, why was David partying like that? Why was he going so crazy? And I want us to ask ourselves today, like, really, think about this. Why such a celebration? Why partying with all his might? I mean, David was the king. If I was outside downtown, maybe not Bourbon Street, Because that probably happens all the time. But if I was downtown and some dude came throwing down, you know, like partying, praising, just going nuts. I'd have been like, yo, what up, man? Party on, Wayne. You know, I mean, I would have tripped out pretty hard on that, you know. And and, as I think through that, you know, why it it really struck me when I was reading that. I was like, why? Well, the answer is pretty simple. I mean, the answer, as Teddy knows, as Kelly knows, as a lot of us know, he was all in. He was sold out. Sold out, 100%. He was in. Now, look, I know that um, that there's people that are going to say, hey, look, dude, that was King David. I mean, he took down Goliath. I mean, seriously, you know what? You know, as David, it's a little bit more difficult for me. Listen, listen. David, King David, was human just like you and me. King David struggled with sin just like you and me. King David struggled with lust. He was an adulterer. He messed up over and over and over again. He had, he had someone killed. But King David had a true relationship with God. David knew God. See, David was in. David was sold out. 100%. That true relationship, that was the reason for the party. That's why he was going crazy. He was in. Did David question his worthiness? Do you question your worthiness? I do. I do. Man, there's times I'm like, whoa. This morning I was getting ready for this message. I was like, hold up, God, wait, hold on. What? What am I doing? But you know what? 2 Samuel 7, 18 through 19, David says this. It says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And I get, follow me here. Hold up, God. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. I'm just King David. I'm just King David. But in David's eyes, he was saying, "Hold up. I'm just, I'm just, just Chris. Hold up. I'm just Larry. Hold up. You know, it's just me right here. Why me?" You ever ask yourself that? You ever, really? I mean, let's, honestly. You ever ask yourself that? Does God really want me? Does God want me? You know what the answer to that is? And I'm not talking about the answer that we probably grew up hearing and not quite understanding, but I want you to, to hear me on this. The answer to the, does God want you? Yes. But that yes is the biggest yes you can ever imagine. Yes, God wants you so much. He's begging you to give, his, to give your life to him. He's begging you to go all in. He's begging you to say, hey, hell up. not just 90%, but I want it all. That's what God is saying. He's saying, I love you so much, I want you all in. That blows me away. It really does. I want to read something to you guys. And um, In Luke 15, that's the chapter where the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. But there's also a couple of other parables that I love. And um, there's the, Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. He tells the parable of the lost coin. And he tells the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Now, this is what it, I'm going to just read some of this, starting with verse 4. And Jesus said, this is what Jesus said. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Let's celebrate, man. Let's throw down. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to to repent. The parable of the lost coin says, Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep her house, carefully search until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice. Rejoice in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Man, that freaks me out. That freaks me out. You say, hey, dude, I'm in, and God's like, party time, it's on, let's throw down. I mean, that, is that not isn't that awesome? That God loves you so much that that's what he wants. He wants to throw a party. He wants you all in. The prodigal son, look, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you guys have heard it. We just did a sermon on it. John, he just preached about it. The prodigal son, the the son gets his inheritance early, and he he runs off and squanders it. And he's sitting there, and he's all bummed out and starving and he says, I'm going to go back. My dad's servants are getting treated better than this. I'm going to go back. And as he goes, the father meets him, running out to him. Now look, the father should have been ticked. and You know, he should have been pretty ticked. But he said, come on, I love you. I love that. Because He says, that for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to, what do you think they're going to do? Somebody say it. Party. They're going to rejoice. They're going to celebrate. They're fired up. Man, that is, I mean, that's the whole message. Celebrate. Rejoice. Do you see? I mean, do you see that God literally has a party? Has a party when we come to him? Jason Cook played football for Ole Miss, and, and he was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in, uh, in 2009. And on September the 9th, Jason scored his first NFL touchdown. And he was playing the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta, right out from where he grew up. And all his, all his friends and his family, they were all there. And this is what This is what happened according to Jason. And not that I didn't trust him, but I had to Google it and YouTube it and so I could see, you know, exactly what went down. I've heard Jason tell this story before. <laughs> Solid dude. Jason, when you listen to this. All the love in the world. Um, all right, so look, the, the ball was on the twenty yard line. They had eighty yards to go before they before he scored, or before the you know, they could get down there. And Jason saw it and they were going towards the end zone where all his friends and family were. All his friends, all the people that he grew up with, Jason said he spent every dime he had made just to get all his friends there in the, in the game, in his family. And so Jason's driving. They're getting a little bit closer. They're getting a little bit closer. They get inside the 50. They get a little bit closer, a little bit closer. They're right around the 25-yard line. Jason gets the call. The dump pass to the left. Jason runs off. He catches the ball, and he sees the goal line. And he's running, and he gets hit. And he breaks through one defender, and he breaks through another defender. And then the goal is right there. And he said he jumped as hard as he could. And right about the time he was just about to cross the goal, he got hit. But he went in, and he scored his first NFL touchdown. Everybody went crazy. He looked up his family, his friends. They were all going nuts. Everybody going insane. The fam- obviously, the whole place was cheering for him. The players came over. They picked him up in the air. He was so excited. He did it. He did it. Coaches, he ran over to the sideline, and the coaches grabbed him and hugged him. And all of this craziness was going on. He did it. But you know what happened? In the midst of all that celebration, in the midst of everything that was going on, Jason said this Is that it? Is that it? People jumping around, picking him up, holding him up in the air. Is that it? All the work, all the dreaming as a kid, all the sweat, all the workouts. Is that it? He had just accomplished his lifelong goal, but at that moment, Jason knew that his NFL career was over, done. He knew that he had played his last NFL season. Is that it? See, he was searching for a piece that that moment didn't provide. Jason knew right then that he was leaving the NFL to go serve the Lord with all his mind, all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Was he scared? Oh, yeah. He was scared. He thought he was nuts. He was scared. King David wrote in Psalm 68, 19, Praise be to the Lord God our Savior who daily bears our burdens. Jason knew that verse, knows that verse. What are your burdens? I mean, really, what are your burdens? What are you scared of? I know what I'm scared of. What are you scared of? What's keeping you from God? What's keeping you from going all in? What's keeping you from selling out? You know, um, I find great comfort knowing that Peter, Jesus' disciple, was also scared. Now, Peter denied Jesus three times. Now, here's what trips me out about that. Peter had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. Peter had watched him heal sick people. Peter had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet, when it came time for Peter to, Peter to step up to the plate, he denied Jesus three times. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? It came time for Peter to step out and say, Hey, look, I've seen him do all these crazy, wonderful, great things, but hold up, man, I'm scared to death, so, man, I don't know who this Jesus is. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know him one time. Nan, I don't know what you're talking about two times. I don't know what you're talking about. They're the rooster crows three times. But you know what? Then something happened to Peter. There came a moment in Peter's life where he went all in. Peter sold out. He sold out to the point where he went from being so scared that he was willing to die for Jesus. In fact, he did die for Jesus, and he said it was, he wasn't worthy to be crucified like Jesus was, so he had him turn him upside down so he could die for Jesus. All right, now, what he was so scared, but then he died for Jesus. There was a moment that he said, I'm in, regardless of what happens. I'm selling out. He was focused on the Lord. He wasn't focused on his fear. Let me tell you guys another story. I'm a, I, I love stories. If you hadn't, y'all going to be like, shut up, dude. Get on out of here, man. But it's just the way, I, it's kind of the way I relate. But when, um, when I was nine or eight or nine years old, my brother Kevin and I, my twin brother Kevin, dad started taking us hunting. And we went to this hunting camp that was called Jack Lake, and it was up around Pickens in, um, in the Big Black River Swamp. Now, as much as I loved it, man, it was the scariest place on earth, especially to a nine or 10-year-old little dude. And what was even scarier than just the swamp itself was the Petanchi. Now y'all, at this point, y'all are going, uh, say what? Listen, the Patanchi was this, in my mind, and in Kevin's mind, he was a 15-foot swamp creature, and all he did was eat little boys. That was it. He just went around eating little boys. And I was so scared of the Petanchi. So, And y'all, y'all, don't, y'all think I'm kidding, but I was terrified of the potanchi. So one day, this guy kills this deer, and we're like, awesome. But he says he couldn't find it. So he comes into the camp, and he said, hey, y'all, tonight we're gonna go get it now let's back up did you hear tonight (laughs) he said tonight and I remember thinking huh I ain't doing that there were no other little boys at the camp and um, we went out there and I was so scared man I was so scared I remember the moon I remember how bright it was I remember the trees I remember just the night. I remember what the woods looked like. I remember this one particular huge tree. And I remember thinking, every time I turned my head, I could see the Patanchi using his invisible powers because he had invisible powers right before he ate little dudes. He had these invisible powers. So I remember going like this and being like, oh man, there he is again. you know. And I was absolutely terrified. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the way the crickets were chirping and I was scared. I remember the the owls that were hooting. And it freaked me out. And I remember the the leaves and the the boots the the crackling of the limbs as people walked over them. I remember truly, honestly, I'm not kidding you, thinking, I'm about to have a 10-year-old nervous breakdown. Now, I probably didn't say nervous breakdown, although I heard mom say that a lot, so I might have, <laughs> but I really thought I was about to freak out. I was as scared as a 10-year-old boy could be. The potanchi was real to Chris and Kevin. And about the time I freaked out, something happened. I felt dad's hand on my shoulder. And I remember what it felt like. I remember the sound of his voice. As All he said was, Chris, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the, the as I was walking beside him, I remember his boots as they walked right beside me. Because something happened in that moment. I went from completely terrified. And I, like that, with a touch, I felt as much peace as a 10-year-old boy could feel. I immediately knew that it was all good. Why was that? Because this, I was no longer focused on my fear. I was focused on my father. I was focused on my father. I was safe. Listen. You're safe with God. You're safe with the Lord. When you're walking side by side with God, you're as safe as you'll ever be. He'll carry your burdens. He'll carry your fears. Whatever. Is consuming you he takes it see David knew this David knew this that was the reason for the party that was it David knew it he knew God loved him he even wrote about it all throughout the Psalms but in this one particular in 2 Samuel twenty-two seventeen 17 through 20, David says this. He reached down from on high and He took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. Listen to this. He rescued me because he delighted in me God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to pay for this to pay for your sins to make an atonement he loves you so much believe it I want to call the worship team to come up here at this time i'm going to start wrapping this up but i want to tell you another story <laughs> um, several years ago i had a uh i had a i was the leader of a small group i had a small group we called it a, a it's like b groups here but we called it a, a, a D group at the time and i started working with these kids When they were in eighth grade all the way up we met every single week and you know they just would share with me all their you know the things they were going through we just kind of went through some things together and there was this one kid who's grown now but his name was Zach his name is Zach what a great guy well one morning I was I was driving to Meridian early And the sun was just starting to rise. And I was praying for my kids. Specifically, I was praying for Zach. And I was just saying, Lord. And right about the time I started to really get deep in my prayer, I topped a hill going to Meridian. And I saw the most beautiful sunrise I have ever seen in my life. I I remember it. If I was an artist, I could draw it. That's how vivid it is in my mind right now. And as I saw it, I did something I'd never done before. I was so taken by God's beauty that I pulled over, pulled the car over, and I simply started praying, God, thank you so much for just allowing me to see such beauty. I had a, uh, I had a journal that I kept beside me, and I would write down the prayers for, that I prayed that morning. And I want to read you all what I, what, I, what I prayed. What? For Zach, this was my prayer. Lord, please reveal yourself today to Zach in a way that he cannot deny your beauty. God, the sunrise is so beautiful. I praise you for letting me witness this. God, I feel like I'm looking straight into your eyes. Please, please. Let Zach feel your presence today and experience such a beauty. That was my prayer for Zach. As I'm still sitting there taking all this in, two minutes later, I get a text from Zach. This is what it said. Dude, check out the sunrise over Lakeland. I feel like I'm staring straight into God's eyes. You know what I felt that day? As I honestly started bawling? You know what I felt? I felt God say, Chris, don't you get it? Dude, don't you get it? I love Zach. I love Zach. Chris, don't you get it? I love you. Chris, Chris, hey, don't you get it? I love I love. I love. What's God saying to you today? What's He saying to you today? What's in your heart? You feel that unrest? Do you have that? Do you feel any burdens? Do you have that? What's He whispering in your ear? What's that little... When it's just you and you're all by yourself, what's he saying? You know what I bet he's saying? I love. I love. Because that's who he is. He's love. You know, to those of you that maybe don't know Christ, maybe don't know God's love like that, I just pray that that God reveals it to you like He did Zach. Mm -hmm. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He raised Him from the dead, listen, you will be saved. God didn't say I might save you. He stated a constant. You will be saved. It is factual. If you don't know Jesus, I'm begging you. I'm telling listen, listen. Put all this aside. I'm begging you as just a, just a simple believer. Please don't live another second without knowing him. Because I'm telling you, brother, this is real. This is real. If you do know Jesus, and maybe like so many of us have... You've put him on the sideline. I pray right now that you would just pray for forgiveness, just like Teddy did. Just pray for forgiveness and go all in. Go all in. If you don't know Jesus, go all in. If you do know Jesus, but he's in the back seat, go all in. see these altars right here they're there for a reason but it doesn't take an altar to bow before the Lord it takes an open heart so my prayer for us today is that each one of us like King David like Peter like Teddy like Kelly like Jason that we truly and fully know the power of Christ, that we know God's grace, that we know God's mercy, that we know that His promise, that each morning new mercies we will see, that we take it and we believe it. Believe it. Because He loves you so much. That. That's why David was partying. That was why he was celebrating with all his might. And that is why we can join the party. That's it. God will revive us. He gives us new life. And we're about to sing a song called You Revive Me. And as we're singing this, I just pray that If you've got some unfinished business with the Lord, don't leave Mm -hmm. here without settling up. In Jesus' name.